The why, actually, my why has never changed. You know, the pandemic has not changed my why and my values. You know, my, my values were already there, and I knew already why I do what I do before we were hit by a pandemic. Of course, this pandemic makes me question lots of things, but shows so many cracks in the system, so many things that don't work. And I'm Laura Empana. And this is Not Loud Enough. A podcast where two very good friends talk about feminism, migration, and culture in our daily lives. And this is episode six, reuniting after two years, Laura. Oh my God, this is so exciting. It has been two years already. And it's so nice to connect this way uh, because otherwise we do speak every day, right? Yes, we do indeed speak every day, quite a lot actually, more than most people I imagine. <laughs> it has been so long that um, it's mainly my fault and I will explain. Yes, indeed it's very exciting, Laura. We kind of miss talking to, to our audience and friends this way, right? Because we, it's not like we didn't have anything to share, but uh, you have been preoccupied with quite some other things. Would you like to tell us about that? Sure, sure. Both of us uh, <laughs> were. But um, for me, uh, late 2018, I took on a very interesting opportunity, uh, which was a logical follow-up of my work with Migration Lab. And namely, I went to Brussels to work on policymaking development on migration. I worked at the Brussels mission of the International Center for Migration Policy Development, and um, I coordinated the uh, communication activities and communication teams of a major program on migration cooperation between Europe and Africa, uh, which is called Africa-EU Migration and Mobility Dialogue Support Program, uh, which is a part of the joint uh, Africa-EU uh, strategy. It has been such a great opportunity to be able uh, to work in this context, to learn more about this complex topic. As you know, Janan, uh, during my work at Migration Lab, I have been involved in uh, many discussions as part of wider international events or as a member of European networks of civil society, about how to reduce the enormous gap between uh, bottom-up initiatives and policymaking on migration and how can civil society influence policymaking. There is so much to discuss here. We will leave this for another time. <laughs> uh, long story short, I traveled a lot. It was very intense. I was all over the places. I traveled between Brussels and Vienna. As you know, Vienna is my home base, but also half of the team was here. And between those cities and West Africa and East Africa, I didn't really have the, the physical time and also the headspace for anything else. And, uh, one of the positive aspects, however, besides working on this uh, important topic, was that we were so close to each other. 
And I absolutely loved, loved all those train rides to Amsterdam, um, all the excitement to, to see you each time and all the quality time spent together, even if I was so damn exhausted all the time. But we had beautiful, beautiful time. It was amazing. Yeah, I loved having you so close. And now I miss you, I have to say. <laughs> I miss you too. <laughs> but we're here. It's good. We're here. We're still talking. We're here. We are everywhere. We are here and on other channels as well every day. Yes, totally. But tell me, tell me, Janan, what have you been doing in all this time? Oh, well, I, I've continued all my work as a freelance writer, translator, editor, creator of cultural programs. So this has been going on. And I have deepened my artistic practice as well. Uh, next to all my activities, I've been back on stage. Yes. Uh, yes, which has been something I wanted to do for years since I had left uh, drama school. You know, theater has always been so close to my heart and I always wanted to be back on stage to perform on stage. And I absolutely love connecting with audiences that way, you know, and this real intimate connection you have with the live audience and it's also a wonderful way for me to share my poetry because I've also been writing more and more poetry in English. So I've been crossing lots of boundaries, you know, between different media, uh, between fiction and nonfiction. And of course, always counting on my imagination. And I've been trying to continue to do so since the pandemic uh, shook us all. And to be honest, it hasn't been, it hasn't been really easy. And, you know, that's why I would like for us first to check a bit you know how has it been for you you know this this huge thing happening to all of us collectively how is it how has it been for you since we went into lockdown yeah indeed uh, we are living some uh, uh, dystopian times don't we yeah. um well well on my side i went i went into lockdown a few days before the official one was set in place as as you know and um during those first days i will never forget that restless and and strong feeling that the world we we knew was about to end. And I felt it so strongly in my body, first of all. Um, I will never forget how incredibly sad the empty streets of Vienna felt. I was so scared for my family and friends scattered all over Europe. The fact that I may not see them for a long time or at all. Um, I was supposed to travel quite a bit back home. Uh, I cannot anymore in these past few, few months. It was overwhelming, and the only thing I could find comfort in was art. Poetry, books, writing in my diary, and, and it made me reflect, actually, on art as survival mode, how in, in the most difficult times we turn to art, how vital art and culture are for us, and then see how the majority of governments fail to properly support these sectors in these times. And uh, yeah, besides that, uh, exercising has been uh, very helpful as well, on and off, you know. Uh, it was not quite easy, all these uh, yoga, qigong sessions, <laughs> whatever works, you know. And then, of course, cooking and baking. And we even bake. Uh, bread together live on FaceTime. You remember? <laughs> yeah, it was such a fantastic moment. We had our screens open in our in our kitchens, and we baked together. That was actually very nice, very precious moments. <laughs> as as cliche that sounds, 
we we did that too, and it was a première. Yeah, for well, us. I like cliches. You know, sometimes cliches are good. You know, sometimes they're not, not that good, but this one is a good one. <laughs> well, all this to say that it took me a month to be able to activate myself and and be ready to start focusing on on work again and find hope too. You know, because I do believe that we have a great opportunity right now to rethink the way we do things personally, also professionally, to rethink what kind of role we would like to have and how can we contribute in a new way to improve people's lives, to make things around us better, to be sustainable, to improve on a personal level. Ironically, it takes a pandemic, but well... Um, and, and yeah, I remember that during a different kind of crisis, major nonetheless, the migration crisis, innovation, especially coming from the bottom line, made a huge difference and it continues to do so. And I was one of those who at the time thought about how, how I can do things differently. And Migration Lab developed out of that idea that we should at least try to change the status quo if something feels or is broken. We may not know the way, but the process to get there is the key. Experimenting, trying, failing, falling, you know, getting up again, always move forward, adapt. And this is what we need to do right now as well. I am actually writing an article about all these lessons I learned during uh, those times in terms of innovation, communication, leadership. And I hope I'll be able to share it with you on social media soon. Oh, I, I'll be very curious to read that. Of course, I, I know all your story. I know exactly what's going to be in that article. But still, I, I still want to, to, to read that. And, and thanks so much also for talking about, you know, about hope, which I, I will get back to because I wrote something on my social media yesterday, which I will read. But before, yes, uh, talking about how it was for me, it was pretty similar to you. Um, the first few weeks, I was really blocked. Um, but I also tried to embrace that state. You know, why was I so stuck? Was it fear? Fear of what? The virus itself or seeing all the malfunctioning of our system? Before I could reflect on, on any of this, I decided to accept fragility. Mm-hmm. How fragile we all are in the face of such a crisis. But we were also before. You know, many of us were already vulnerable and the situation only made things worse. One of the gestures I did was shaving my head. And as you know, I told this story of fragility and the creative block, which I sort of unblocked (laughs) with this drastic gesture on a video filmed at the Mezrap Storytelling Center in in Amsterdam. And we'll add a link to the video in the show notes. But I want to thank here Mezrap for welcoming me in this way because Mezrab is, for instance, one of these cultural spaces uh, that has been very, very active throughout uh, the lockdown and there still are, organizing all their events online and inviting also artists and storytellers to send their videos, their poetry, their music, their stories to to be shared with their audiences. And I I really found a lot of... um, a lot of energy and positivity doing this. So this really helped me unblocked, unblock and, and start being creative again. Because one of the things I also kept thinking in the beginning is, oh, what I do is, is worthless. 
Why yeah. do I do what I do? Why should people care about what I have to write and say? We, we are in the middle of this pandemic. Things are so horrible. What is everybody going to do with my little poetry and stories and blah, blah? And I, I was really thinking <laughs> that way. But it links back to what you said, you know, that art as survival. Actually, we do need it. We do need these stories. We do need poetry. We need poetry now more than ever. So this, this helped me get back into that, uh, that mindset. And after I shaved my head and I posted about it on social media, of course, <laughs> this is where I live, you know. I already <laughs> lived there before the pandemic, but now even more. <laughs> so a few people I know, friends and family members, started to text me, worried, yeah. And one friend even told me, you know, Janan, you cannot carry the world's pain on your shoulders. You don't have to be this empathetic. And it made me think, yes, I agree. Maybe I don't need to be that uh, empathetic. And I was very thankful for her concern. And I know it comes from good intentions. But what I have confirmed again is that I see myself as a medium of my own work. And by using my body these kind of gestures, so my own gestures, my movements, all of it is part of how I express myself and things I care uh, about and the environment and everything around me I care for. And this is empathy. So yes, it's true that anxiety played a role in that gesture of shaving my head. But more importantly, and that is something I really want to highlight here, is the need for me to not to go back to how I was. Also physically, you know, my natural hair color before I started bleaching blonde has always been brown, dark brown. And I didn't want to go back to that either. <laughs> and for me, this also acts as a metaphor of what is happening. I don't want to go back to the same life I had before the pandemic started. I want to do things differently. I want our system to work differently. But differently how, you may ask. Uh, it will definitely be creating societies where money is not the number one drive for everything we do. And that includes our jobs. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Totally agree. And, and, you know, I've been witness of all this uh, journey of yours and everything that you just uh, <laughs> shared right now. And um it's, it's also what we want to focus on this episode. What does it mean for our professional lives in, in our roles as communicators, writers, founders, and, and so on? Yes, and looking at what kind of reflections, you know, the pandemic pushed us to make right now. Right. But, you know, Jonathan, you and I, we are used to reflect on a daily basis. And sometimes even the two of us say that we do think too much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I can also quote many people around me saying that to me <laughs> great we're not alone that's great news <laughs> um so in this sense um for me the pandemic didn't, didn't bring any major extra reflection on on my life i, I do uh, reflect on on everything we do our work etc on a daily on a daily basis however professionally it pushed me uh, actually, to to assess everything I have done and to ask myself in this new context, what is it really that I want to do with all the experience and and expertise I gathered in in over sixteen years 
of, of development, professional and personal, in a variety of sectors and cultural and political context in Europe and Africa. Uh, what do I want to do with all the things that I accomplished, all the lessons that I learned, all the failures? How can I contribute? What role can I have? In which kind of professional context and work culture would I like to find myself? What do I want to work on? With which type of businesses and organizations? And yeah, of course, how do I want Migration Lab to, to evolve? I understand you so well. I have exactly the same reflections and not only on the professional level, but also the personal. And, and you know how these two are closely linked for me. And yeah, it isn't new. We've been thinking about our role and what we can bring to our communities from our audiences to our friends and family yeah? mm -hmm. before the pandemic. And I think you and I always cared about why we do what we do <laughs> and we've exactly. always been self-reflecting you know we even have talked about this at length uh, it was the third episode of this very podcast the one titled why we do what we do exactly <laughs> so go check exactly. that out you know um, but it's also a reality that the situation mm -hmm. of lockdown you know whether it is policed like in countries such as France or Belgium where I have family and friends or more free or smart, as the Dutch call it, like in Amsterdam or Vienna, where we are both based, um, has really brought another layer of reflection. Yeah. And I would like to add that I, and I can also say we maybe uh, speak from a place of, uh, of privilege. We're yeah. healthy, yeah, we, bo we both are healthy. We don't have people close to us dying of COVID-19, you know, we, we're not surrounded by yeah. pain and, and suffering and, uh, and death. Many people are right now. Yeah. We both live in places where we do have enough space for ourselves and we still have mm. some freedom of movement in our cities. We are also lucky to be able to continue working from home. And in my case, it's where I always work anyway. But it doesn't mean we are not touched in negative ways by what is happening. And I just want to clarify where we speak from, as it is also what gives us the strength to do what we do and share it with an audience. So, yeah, the question did come up a lot. Who do we want to be from now on? Mm -hmm. And how can we contribute the best with our skills and our knowledge, etc.? Yeah, I definitely agree with you, uh, with everything that you that you just said. And before uh, diving into these questions, uh, I want to make just a quick add to what you mentioned about you and I always going back to to the why, why we do what we do. In something that I recently heard and I related so much to, um, in a recent speech uh, to his team, uh, Simon Sinek uh, said. I am not worried about what I do. I am worried about why I do it. And I will find a job that helps me do that. I'll make a job that makes me do that. Brilliant. <laughs> I, uh, it went straight to, to my heart. <laughs> now, uh, now, going back to your questions, um, what do we want to be from now on? And how can we contribute with uh, all our experiences? Well, in my case, um, I have many interests and I, I want to pursue different things. And for example, I would like to continue uh, to work on 
generating new ways to communicate with audiences, you know, based on authenticity, something that I have been working on uh, at Migration Lab in, in, the, in the migration sector and other sectors could benefit as well. As well. Um, you know, I, I am passionate about communication done purposefully and, and that doesn't contribute to all the noise out there. That uh, communications that are aligned with audiences' concerns, uh, needs, wishes... Uh, very important for me, communications that go back to the why before anything else, uh, that pause for reflection, something that is missing, you know. Um, I'm very interested as well in new organizational structures uh, that are using a more agile, human-centered and sustainable approach. I am so passionate about new ways to develop as a leader and, and build teams. So I'm researching a lot on all these topics. I'm attending online workshops, events, I read. And uh, yeah, at the moment, I am looking for bringing my contribution to, to businesses and organizations that are also interested in developing this way. So I'm looking forward to the next opportunity. And, uh, and then there is Migration Lab, of course. And right now, I'm also working on, on new ways to make it more accessible to a wider audience. Uh, in this new context uh, that we are finding ourselves in. I'm working on a new organizational structure as well. Um, I have to say that it is very important to me that all the work I have been doing together with these amazing people and organizations reach communities, reach the individuals and, and organizations so they can, you know, make use of, and, of what we did and, and be inspired by what we built collectively. So um, it may take some time to put it all together, but I'm not in a rush. Migration Lab is exactly what its name suggests. Uh, it's a constant transformative space. It is a process and its strength and growth come from that. So um, related to that, a few, few days ago, I finished such an incredible book. Uh, I would like to mention it here because I wish it existed when I started Migration Lab. Um, the authors started their journeys around the same time I did, so the book was published only last year. Nevertheless, considering what is going on right now, it's, it's good timing. The book is called uh, Starting a Revolution. It's written by two German female entrepreneurs, Naomi Ryland and Lisa Jaspers. And it features business advice from some of the most amazing progressive female founders in the world. Um, for example, Dame Stephanie Shirley. If you haven't heard about her, just Google, you will be amazed. And of course, alongside their own journey and, and reflection as, as founders and, and leaders. And uh, the book offers such a refreshing perspective on leadership, organizational structure, on redefining work culture, hiring differently, um, on growth and innovation and how we can achieve growth in a sustainable way because it is possible to make profit and be sustainable at the same time. And we should uh, more and more uh, consider this, this avenue. Um, I particularly like their approach to leadership, for example. Uh, they say that in order to lead others, you first need to lead yourself. So in other words, you know very well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you and I, we know this. In order, uh, in other words, uh, you, you first need to do that, uh, that work with, with yourself first, that inner work. Exactly. Whether it's coaching, whether it's therapy, no matter what it is, um, I believe, for example, therapy, it's, it's such a great uh, investment that you can do uh, for yourself. 
and yeah, above all, everything you do, make sure you keep your values because the rest will come. Yeah, I, I really love how we, we now both look at different possibilities and change happening through different perspectives and sectors, you know, whether it's business, culture, <laughs> leadership uh, in communications. In, and I think it's very, very important to, to, to mix all these different ways of, yeah, mm -hmm. ways of doing and ways of learning. And like you say, it's also, it's also process. And I want to go back to, to culture and the importance of having a vision in culture is that there's a lot of events that have been canceled and a lot of artists and a lot of people working in the cultural field who are now jobless and they are in a very uh, vulnerable position because they don't have any income and that in many countries it's the case and you said in the beginning you know one of the things we we've seen is how do governments react to this many governments don't react properly uh, towards this Um, or or at all or at all yeah it's like you know they all these uh, leaders they have press conferences and nobody talks really about culture they talk about events uh, you know big concerts big festival sports oh. events but but cultural you know cultural sector is a huge sector and it's we all we all need culture we cannot live without arts and culture and it's not just a question of of having entertainment you know they, they exactly. when they think of culture they think enter it's not just entertainment you know it's 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 a way we create discourses it's a way we create also new visions for the future this is how we imagine our societies through culture so we need culture and the arts and i want to mention someone who who has a really great vision, I think. Uh, he's the director of the Théâtre de la Ville in Paris, um, Emmanuel de Marcy Mota. Mm -hmm. He gave an interview to France Culture uh, a few weeks ago, and I will put the link in the in the show notes. It's in French, so for those of you who understand French can, mm -hmm. can listen to it. But what I love about the way he, he talks about the pandemic and the necessity to do things differently and think about how to how to use online activities to accompany uh, the art. and Because he, of course, performing arts, it's even worse, you know. What do people do? They can't just be in front of a camera and it's not the same, you know. When I'm on stage, it's not the same as when I'm in front of the camera. It's a completely yeah. different experience. And he talks about the, the collective experience also that that we create through the arts, especially through performing arts. So this collective experience is very important. How do we recreate these collective moments where everybody gets together to really feel, to really get these emotions that artists are building for us? And nothing is created in a vacuum, you know? So everything that we see around us comes back in the arts and offer a reflection offer possibilities, hope, criticism. These are very important in the way we create a discourse. And we need people with vision, leadership also in the cultural sector in what we want to do next. So it's not just all about, okay, let's ask artists to put a camera in and start to record everything they do and put it online for free. It's more complex than that. And, and I think we, we need a stronger visionary people to be able to help create better, <laughs> a better culture, if you want, better 
Yeah, a way to connect with audiences. And we need strong communicators. These are all, all linked. This is all linked. You touched on so many things, all things that um, are very, very present in, in my work as a communicator uh, or as a social entrepreneur. So I wanted to add a few things about how do I see the role of communicators, uh, in, especially in these difficult times. And I think empathy is 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 key. I think for a long time, empathy, the notion of empathy has been so misunderstood um, and associated with vulnerability, uh, weakness, and uh, actually empathy is about understanding uh, the other. It's about um, understanding the perspective, a different perspective uh, on, on the world a different perspective from another uh, person. Um, I think communication is about understanding people after all. It's about listening to people. So um, we need to do that now more than ever, more than ever uh, before. We need to uh, continue to question things. We need to be researchers. We need to connect the dots. I think it's so important that you take inspiration from different industries, not only the one you are operating in. Um, it's something that I try to bring into my work, connect uh, different dots, different experiences, and, and see a way to, to adapt it to a, to a new situation. We need transparency and honesty, and you, we need accuracy of the information. We deal with a lot of misinformation right now, so we need, we really need that. It is clear that we are moving towards a more online uh, presence, yes. and for sure new roles will, will appear, and also new roles for communicators. So yeah. we need to be ready. Yeah, we need you. We need to be ready, open, and sensitive about what's happening in the world. Totally. And one of the things I also wanted to share, uh, talking about communications, you know, we have the tools we have. We have uh, social yeah. media, Instagram, Facebook, mm. uh, Zoom, etc. All this, all these things. And um, one artist I absolutely love, mm -hmm. uh, called Ibrahim Malouf, yeah. uh, has been organizing these online Q and As on his Instagram account every Sunday. So what they do. And this is really something I love. They they mm -hmm. they broadcast one of his mm -hmm. concerts. So every week they pick a concert that was filmed uh, one two years ago, a project he really likes, and they broadcast it live on YouTube, so you can watch it live. So they create this collective experience. So you have you have plenty of people in their home watching the concert of Ibrahim Malouf at that specific moment, which I think it's a very nice way to connect. I, I do like the live element of it. And once the concert uh, is over, we all move to Instagram where he gives a Q&A. And what he does is that he includes people who are, who request, you know, you have to request on Instagram to be in the video. And yeah. he picks people au hasard. And then... He, Randomly, yeah. yeah. And then he, um, he starts he just chatting. just talks with the people. And, he, yeah. and it's fascinating because you see how... Yeah, it's authentic. So authenticity, yeah. I think, is really exactly. important. There's no extra tech. There's nothing, you know, fancy. He's just sitting in his hoodie in his home, you know, very yes. funny. And then you have also the people who react and you and you get connected with, yeah. you, you create yeah. this collective experience. Mm -hmm. And the collective yeah. experience for me is what matters. Collectivity, mm -hmm. solidarity. That's how we build solidarity, I think. I would also like to share something I've written on my Facebook 
page uh, yesterday, I saw um, a photograph from the Berliner Ensemble Theater in, in Berlin. They posted a picture of their of their venue with the new social distancing rules. So you see the chairs distanced in the in the audience, and that really. <laughs> It, it does something for, for theater goers like you and I, you know, people who, who always go out to, to experience culture, seeing a picture like this, and also as a performer, it, it really does something to you. And I wrote this and I, it links a bit to everything we spoke about in, in, in the beginning, so I, I would like to finish with this. Uncertainty and paradox, the two words I seem to use the most these days. My heart aches as I look at this picture thinking of the performance on that stage, thinking of all the other venues that will need to change. Not every stage has space, not every theater is wide enough to create the necessary distance we will have to live with for many more months to come. How will the smaller venues cope? How? While it aches, my heart also fills with hope. Hope that we will be able to experience art, music, performance, all those emotions created by the imaginations of so many, collectively once again. I shouldn't forget that third word. Hope is one of the three words I should be using more these days. But even in hope, you can still shed a tear. So I wanted to, you know, all these paradoxical emotions we're all going through. And, and like you say, I think art will save us. I do strongly believe in that. I'm very excited, really. I'm very happy we did this. I want to thank all our listeners to be here again after such a long hiatus. We're very happy you're here. To have been patient with us. I know that along the way, during all this time, we had questions. Some people ask us, where have you been? What are you? Where are you? What are you doing? Why is this not uh, continuing? So uh, we are we are back. I'm very happy we are back. Yes. And um, I hope everybody is safe. And take care of yourselves. And see you and hear you very soon. See you soon. Take care. Bye bye.